amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. I my signal. Unleash hell. Welcome, happy Wednesday. You're listening to News Talk Saga 960. Mark Petrone with you for the next two solid gold hours of freedom-loving news talk. Awesome. So very glad you could join us on this midweek edition of the Mark Petrona Show. And please support our terrific sponsor, Blue Harbor Financial. Jeff McGilvery and his team are the financial planning and insurance experts. Just go to askjeff.ca. He's my guy. Make him your guy. Heck, he sponsors the show. We need him. So make him happy, will you? Just go to askjeff.ca. Ask G-E-O-F-F dot C-A. We've got, uh, let's see, Chris Sky is going to be on the show as part of our ongoing coverage of the Toronto election race. You know, Chris uh, mainly is a political activist, as an activist against lockdowns. Very outspoken, very opinionated man. And, uh, wow, great interview. It's coming up in... Segment number two of the Mark Petrona Show, Ross McLean's going to be on the show. Well, we all saw that Trump was indicted. I know you're probably, uh, are your eyes glazing over a little bit? I mean, obviously, this is a political witch hunt in progress. The establishment left, the deep state, the military industrial complex, as it was referred to originally by Dwight D. Eisenhower back in the early 1960s, the deep state fear Trump, and uh, they're using the Soros-backed DA flunky Alvin Bragg to charge him with a well, bogus charge, which we're, we're not even sure exactly what the criminal offense is alleged to have been. But it's happening, and it's an attack on the republic, of course. That's exactly what it is. Trump knows it, and he was talking about that, including just what a terrible uh, president uh, uh, Joe, Joe Biden actually is. Let's listen a little bit to Trump's comments after he was indicted. If you took the five worst presidents in the history of the United States and added them up, they would not have done near the destruction to our country as Joe Biden and the Biden administration have done. With all of this being said, and with a very dark cloud over our beloved country, I have no doubt, nevertheless, that we will make America great again. Joining me now, two men who yeah. are in that anyway, room. Anyway, uh, no, we're not going to listen to to Fox's coverage just yet because uh, we're going to have some Tucker Carlson coverage. Mark Levin, actually, he was speaking with Hannity about this. I mean, it's uh, it's outrageous, but there it is. There was no mugshot. There were no handcuffs. I think the far-left nutjobs perpetrating this hoax 
they they will go as far as they absolutely can, but no further. And so at this point, they didn't want to spark that much outrage. They just indicted the guy. Probably, you know, it's always a probe with these people. Let's see how far we can push it. Uh, Canada's top cops now, police chiefs, while stating the obvious that the easy bail provisions that these policies of the blackface regime are making their work pointless. Uh, What's the point of having law enforcement if you're just going to release these scumbags back on the street? And you know what? They're right, of course. It's about time that somebody actually said it from... (laughs) The group of uh, police chiefs, the Canadian Association of Police Chiefs, uh, they're calling on all three, all 13 premiers to get together and um, well, come up with some kind of joint statement uh, about the intensive escalation of violence. And that's one of the things that Ross McLean is going to be talking about. I mean, look, at some point, you got to accept the reality that our government in Ottawa is actually adopting deliberately adopting policies that they know will fuel violence. And now people don't want to believe it. How could anybody do such a thing? Why would they do that? Well, you know, why don't you just look at exactly what they're doing and then realize that uh, however horrific it may seem, we have a government that's trying to destroy the country. Why? I have told you in the past that you can't build back better unless you blow it up first. And that's essentially what blackface is. He's, he's in the nation destruction business. I mean, not just him. And I've heard a lot of people say, he's not smart enough for that. No way. Yeah, that's right. Well, the people pulling his strings are, and they're the ones who essentially have used this guy to undermine our economy, undermine our culture, and yeah, fuel so much crime that people are gonna be desperate and happy to give up what's left of their rights. And so that's kind of where we're at right now. The Women's Professional Golf Association disabled comments on their tweet after announcing that a transgender athlete had won a female tournament. Yeah, this is still going on, sparking backlash and outrage and uh, accusations of erasing women's sports. That's right. This is a story in, in Rebel News, by the way. And we saw what happened with with uh, Chris uh, with Billboard Chris, of course. We had Billboard Chris on the show. I mean, this is uh, a situation that's getting worse by the day, it seems. But it's it's coming to a head. People have had enough, and so they're pushing back. And so hopefully, um, we'll get the result that we need. A win for the unwoke. Yeah, the Maple Leafs decide hours before game time not to wear the Pride sweaters in the warm up. Yeah. Um, Good, I guess. It's a start. Let's uh, listen to this. This is redacted. Okay, this is a one-minute uh, little clip. This is a great podcast. Redacted is the name of it. You want to check it out. This is Clayton Morris and Natalie Morris uh, talking about this interesting discovery that, uh, guess what? Apparently, there was uh, a job application for somebody associated with uh, covid in a, a, this was a defense post, but the, the odd thing part, the odd part of this, this came up before, like three months before anybody even heard of COVID. Let's listen. Why did the United States Department of Defense post a job posting 
trying to hire someone for quote, COVID-19 research three months before anyone in the world ever heard of COVID. Why does the United States government data show that the US Department of Defense awarded a contract on the 12th of November, 2019? to Labyrinth Gold Health Incorporated for hmm. COVID-19 research, at least one month before the alleged emergence of the novel coronavirus, and three months before it was officially dubbed COVID-19. The contract was for research to be conducted in, can you guess the country? The contract was not only instructed to take place in Ukraine, a firm called Metabiota, which specializes in detecting, tracking, and analyzing potential disease outbreaks, signed an $18 million federal contract, Metabiota, was started with the help from President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. Oh my. Did you get that? Wow. More uh, evidence, if you want to call it that that uh, not only was this thing planned, but uh, that at least Hunter, and I suspect the big guy, were very much involved in profiting from it. Here's Global News, uncovering evidence of alleged coercion from the Chinese government to pressure Chinese Canadians to spy on their fellow citizens. Well, good for Global for sticking, on, uh, sticking with the story. Let's listen to a little bit of it. Global News has uncovered evidence and examples of Beijing coercing Chinese Canadians to spy on others in their community. Victims say Chinese police treat their family members in China as hostages, threatening their safety as blackmail. Now, Jeff Semple has been looking into these allegations and joins us now. Jeff, we appreciate this. So a lot, a lot to uncover here and very disturbing allegations. What can you tell us about who Beijing is spying on? What do we know? Uh, good morning, Anthony. Yeah, the victims we spoke with were mostly members of the Chinese diaspora living here in Canada who have spoken out in the past against the Chinese Communist Party and attended protests condemning Beijing's human rights records, including Uyghur activist Mamet Toti. He lives in Ottawa. He escaped China and came here to Canada 30 years ago and has been very outspoken ever since and says as a result he believes that he's been followed, his activities here in Canada have been monitored and back in January he was campaigning ahead of a vote by the federal government to bring 10,000 Uyghur refugees here to Canada and one morning just before the vote he received a phone call from a man who identified himself as a Chinese police officer who was calling Mamet Toti with news about his family in China. He said that his mother and sisters, whom Toti hadn't heard from in a few years, were dead. The officer claimed they died from strokes, despite the fact that his sisters were in their 40s and had previously been known to be quite healthy. Now, the officer said that Mehmet's uncle also had a stroke, but had survived and was in hospital, oh and then he put Mehmet's uncle on the phone so he could speak with him directly, and Mehmet's uncle confirmed the news about his family. Have a listen to Mehmet Todi, who says that he believes the Chinese police were sending him a message. And you and your family members are paying the ultimate price. That is the reality we are talking about. And intimidation, threat, harassment, hijacking your family members and pushing you to live under the Chinese shadow, even you are in free country. Well, we have a a prime minister who thinks that uh, China's system of government, uh, this basic dictatorship is fantastic, he loves it. And he's in the process of bringing it over and he's, by my vantage point, where I'm looking, uh, a traitor. Because this guy, I have no doubt, colluded with the China, with the Chinese to flip seats in at least two elections. Uh, we don't have a police investigation in this because uh, the police have been corrupted, the media have been corrupted, largely.
And so these people think that they can get away with anything. They are criminals and they belong behind bars. Absolute traitors. Let's listen again. Uh, and I know I'm bouncing around a little bit, but Jimmy Dore, this is a, uh, uh, this guy has a, a podcast, a show. He says, uh, you know, he took the shots and, and guess what? Didn't work out too well. And then after that, he started to do some research. This is the thing, right? You do your research after you take the shots. You know, that's putting the cart before the horse, is it not? But listen with uh, what Jimmy had to say to uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, I got the vax and I got injured and I looked into it. And as soon as I looked into it, I found out they were lying about everything. Everything. They're lying about masks. They were lying about lockdowns. They were lying about how you handle pandemics. We've had pandemics before. Never before did we handle them, any of them like this. They were lying about herd immunity. They lied about natural immunity. They lied. They didn't. Pfizer didn't even test to see if their vaccine stops transmission. They didn't even test. And we didn't find that out until recently because uh, a European politician asked a Pfizer executive at a hearing. We didn't find out from a scientist who looked at the data. They didn't want to. They didn't want to let their release their data. By the way, for seventy-five years, <laughs> remember that? I bet you don't. Yeah, remember true. they didn't want to release the vaccine trial data for seventy-five years, and still not a not still not a question from any of my friends. Those those people who smear me online who've known me my whole life. Not a question about the COVID narrative. They're on the wrong side of history a thousand percent. Let's hope. <laughs> if the good guys win, yeah. I mentioned Mark Levin. This guy is a very knowledgeable commentator. He was on Fox speaking about uh, the arraignment, uh, the charges, um, the indictment involving Donald Trump. Question is, you know, what underlining crime did Trump actually commit? Let's listen. Well, one of the things on top of everything else is there has to be an underlying crime, right, Sean? People are saying, well, what is it? I'm saying, well, what underlying crime did Donald Trump commit? He didn't commit any underlying crime, and he wasn't charged with any underlying crime. He wasn't charged with federal election violations, even though that's not the jurisdiction of the DA. There's nothing here, but I want to get into something here. Donald Trump is a historic figure, or they wouldn't be doing this. They wouldn't be doing this. There wouldn't have been a January 6th committee. There wouldn't have been a Mueller criminal investigation. There wouldn't have been two phony impeachments. Listen to this, America. There wouldn't have been a warrant, which is inexcusable, an unconstitutional warrant, in my view. An FBI SWAT team sent to his home. There had been, in the course of the last few months, five grand juries controlled by Democrats. Over what? You would have thought this man took money from the communist Chinese. You would have thought his son took money from the communist Chinese. You would have thought he's the criminal of this century. What exactly did he do? So they had to concoct all these phony crimes because he didn't do anything. So the Manhattan DA should be disbarred, not only because of the way he campaigned, because you know what? This is crap that a pre-law student shouldn't even put in front of a damn judge. Good for Mark Levin. I mean, it's getting pretty obvious, isn't it? There's been uh, a conspiracy involving a small group of very powerful, extremely wealthy individuals who have... Um, taking control 
of leaders, whether they're barred Biden, you know, these people can be bought. Blackface can certainly be bought. <laughs> this guy has no moral compass, so he'll take money. There's no doubt about that. But these people essentially are all in now. They're the front men, if you will, for this massive hijacking and stripping away of power from the people in Western countries like Canada, like the United States, and uh, the consolidating of that power in the hands of a very few criminals. My friends, let's take a break. Back with more on Newstalk Saga 960 and the Mark Petrano Show after this. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. to the Mark Petroni radio program heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. We're back with more on News Talk Saga 960. So very glad you could join us on this midweek edition of the Mark Petrona show. We have Chris Sky on the line, the latest in our series of interviews with mayoralty candidates. As you know, John Tory is out and we've got a slew of candidates vying to be the next mayor of Toronto. Chris Sky a.k.a. Chris Sacoccio, which I guess is your real name, Chris. Is that correct? That is correct. That's my uh, birth name. Sky, what people don't really realize, is uh, my company, Sky Homes Corporation, uh, where I've been doing residential, develop, design, planning, building for over 20 years. Right. So out of all the candidates, I'm a very, in a very unique position where I've been working in the private sector for over 20 years, but in tandem with the public sector. So I know how to get things done like people in the private sector do, even while working within the confines, the red tape and the bureaucracy of the public sector. So I bring an efficiency to the table that none of the other candidates can bring. So when they're talking about going after waste or corruption, they don't have the experience that I have in doing exactly that, going after waste and running uh, the government as efficiently as if it was a private business. That's just for starters. Uh, I'm the only one that's going to be talking about any of the real agendas that are coming down the pipeline fast and furious. And that's the 15-minute cities where everybody uh, is being told this is about convenience, this is about inclusivity, this is about climate change. But what they don't tell you is the number one way to reduce your carbon footprint, the number one way to fight climate change under their new doctrine is to eliminate private car ownership. They won't want to touch on that. They won't want to touch on SOGI, the LGBT agenda being put into uh, children's schools. I had a woman the other day in Ontario uh, whose six-year-old child got homework asking if they were male, female, or non-binary. This was a six-year-old child. So this is where Toronto's headed right now. Uh, we have a safety crisis on the streets, safety crisis in the TTC. We have a massive cost of Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. 
Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. ...that we can address first and foremost by going through our $16.1 billion budget with a fine-tooth comb and at least first finding out where all this money was allocated to. Because guess what? When I called the government and asked them unequivocally, can you give me a breakdown of where you've allocated the $16.1 billion municipal budget bigger than most countries' GDP and, and tell me where it went and which departments? They laughed and said, absolutely not. So when we have a government that doesn't even know where they allocated the money to, how do we expect them to know where they've been spending our money? And it goes to show you that there's billions of dollars to save yearly. And with those billions of dollars, we can put back in the community. We can do things like hire more emergency service workers without having to extend our budget. We could do things like community housing projects and community projects in general that will benefit the lives of lower income communities and the most vulnerable members of our society. There are so many things that we can do to Toronto in the very short term that my administration will have an actual tangible and positive difference in your lives and in your community right off the get-go. And every year it's only going to get better. People say to me, well, look at all the corruption. Look at all the waste. It's a real uphill battle. Well, you know what I say to that? I say it's the exact opposite. The more waste there is, the more corruption there is, the more room for improvement there is, and the more room for drastic change and change for the better, change for more freedom, change for more financial independence, and that's going to come from a fiscally responsible administration, the most fiscally responsible administration that in anybody's recent memory or even not so recent memory. Yeah. We are going to be running a very efficient campaign, Mark, a lot different than everybody else. I'm going to be actually living with my entire campaign team under the same roof because we are that dedicated to this fight. We have anticipated being outspent over 10 to 1 on this campaign, and we want that because we want to show how exponentially more efficient uh, we can run a campaign and how exponentially more effectively we can run this campaign. And I believe that we're going to get a massive amount of votes from people who don't normally vote. I'll admit it, Mark, I've never voted in my entire life, not for anyone. And you know why? why? Every election, no matter no matter if it was municipal, provincial, or federal, I looked at all the candidates and said, what is that person going to do to make my life better? And I can never come up with an answer for any of them, so I said none of them deserve my vote. And that's why in the last election for mayor, uh, John Tory won, obviously, but only 29% of the eligible voters came out to vote. That means 71% of Torontonians just abstained from voting because none of their candidates represented their interests. And I challenged the other candidates two things, two very important things to prove 
that I am what I say I am, and that is a servant of the people. What did they do for any of you in the last three years? All these people that were counselors that now want to be a mayor. Absolutely nothing. In fact, they voted to extend lockdowns every time. They voted to put masks on your children. They voted to close down your business and lock you down. They even voted to force you to inject a vaccine in your arm experimentally against your own interests. And now they want to be the mayor of Toronto? What did I do the last three years? Well, I got arrested 26 times. I lost my license, my guns. I lost everything, even though I beat all the charges. Over 60 charges in just two years because I was actually fighting for and representing the people, unlike these phony cookie cutter politicians. The other thing is I can prove that I am as transparent and accessible to the people. You know this, Mark. My number is public. It's public. How many public officials, especially a mayor, will give out their public or private cell phone number, direct line to me, to the public? Mine's 416-400-9994. And anybody can call me anytime about anything. And not only will I answer, but I will offer a solution. And not just any solution, the right solution for whatever problem is coming through that phone. And nobody's going to offer that kind of dedication. Nobody's going to offer that kind of service. And that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be servants to the public. And I'm going to reset the standard for what that means. Chris, you're going to be uh, butting heads with the feds if you do uh, some of the things that you're talking about. And the province, of course, as well. Um so I'm, I'm sure you're you're no stranger to dealing with politicians who disagree with you. And now, of course, we have this story for the city of Toronto recently asking Ottawa to grant a Health Canada exemption. This is a story out of the out of the rebel for all drugs, even children uh, more lenient than a similar exemption granted to B.C. on January the 31st. So this is, we're talking about the decriminalizing of hard drugs, uh, heroin, crack. Uh, cocaine, uh, these types of things. Uh, to me, this is going down the wrong direction if you want to ease uh, the problem in terms of people using hard drugs at all. But uh, what's your take on that? This is a very complicated question, and you have to consider both sides. And although I don't like to see people put in jail for what are essentially victimless crimes, i.e. possession of a controlled substance, uh, I do not think we should be going down the route of decriminalization. I like the idea of not throwing people who are simply uh, end users in prison. It's better if they can go to rehab or go to facilities where their addiction can be managed in one way or the other, rather than being thrown in prison when it's not facilitate them uh, in any way, shape or form. But to say the idea that people should be able to import or manufacture things like cocaine or fentanyl or methamphetamines without any government oversight or any actual benefit to society proven besides just letting people do what they want. I think that's definitely going in the wrong direction. I would never do that. I think we need strong uh, drug laws in place for manufacturers and importers and sellers of illegal substances. But I would like to see it more lenient on people that are just the end users. Because I see them 
uh, they're making their own choice, but they're more like victims. And they're not, unless they're going out and robbing people and doing things like that to get the money for their drugs, I think they, I think they, they would much more benefit from help and addiction rehabilitation than actually just being thrown in prison. You spoke a little bit about the hiring of uh, officers and, and others uh, who can help out with the crime problem. But you're also dealing with the feds on that issue, Chris. And, of course, when we're talking about the easing of bail restrictions, sort of this soft on crime policy out of Ottawa, you got a problem here because you're dealing with their changes to the law and you've got to deal with it on a, on a local level. How would you handle that, uh, Chris? Well, under the Strong Mayoral Powers Act, if we can, if we did, if we uh, established that quinity and we saw that there was a lot of repeat offenders that it seemed obvious should not be getting bail or at least be getting more stringent conditions like house arrest rather than being given free reign to commit the same crimes over and over again. Uh, well, there's a strong mayoral powers act that could be put in place that could introduce bylaws uh, that could possibly address these issues upon release. And I believe we would get the support of the council. And I don't think we would get uh, fought too much by Ottawa on this because we should be able to run our city the way we need to in order to keep our people safe. There is the woke issue. Um, we had Anthony Fury on the show talk about, uh, you know, the ridiculous move to, you know, change the street names like Dundas, spending millions of dollars on that. I take it you're not a big fan of this uh, woke uh, cult that seems to be permeating all aspects of, of governments in Canada. Cult was your word, not mine, but it's not a bad one to use to describe it. And I'm not down for wasting any money on things like that. But uh, what I saw the other day absolutely made me sick. Sad. Let's bring your seven and eight year old child to drag camp sponsored by multiple levels of the government with our tax dollars and paid for by parents that are too naive to know any better that they probably shouldn't be sending their seven-year-old child to learn how to be a drag queen and being given a, a free makeup kit so they can take it home and, re and keep practicing. This is the kind of stuff that has no place in our city, definitely no place in government funding, and definitely no place with children. And that's right, and that goes with the curriculum as well. I could block the SOGI curriculum. And for people that don't know what SOGI is, it's sexual orientation and gender identity. And they slip it in under the guise of what they call language arts. Nothing to do with sex ed guys, they call it language arts. And this new language arts is gonna teach your six, seven and eight year old children how there's really 76 genders and gender is a spectrum and they should be able to choose their own pronouns and change them daily as well as their genders. If this is the kind of stuff you want your children to learn, as they already have put it in B.C. and Alberta, and where I've already been fighting it in Alberta, well, then vote for one of these other candidates because none of them are even going to talk about this. And I know how dangerous Soji is because I've actually read the curriculum. I've actually tried to put a stop to this in Alberta where they put out pilot programs. I actually contacted the Minister of Education, Adriana Lagrange, in Alberta to lead this fight for the people there. And I'm glad I'm doing the same thing in Toronto. But as mayor, I'd have a lot more power to stop this type of agenda from permeating into our school system and confusing our children. You want to weigh in on the uh, public transport system? I guess uh, Ford's talking about another subway a line, um, an extension. Uh, any thoughts about that? Again, we're seeing a lot of criminal acts happening happening on the subway chris you want to talk about that i think a bit? Me, yeah 
I think we need to address safety on the TTC first and foremost. And for that, I think we need a two-prong approach because, number one, uh, we need some kind of deterrent, which would be a great idea, some type of CCTV camera system uh, and a joint operation between some kind of private security and members of the Toronto Police Service. I think that would go a very long way in curbing the violence, as well as we created better riding conditions for the riders and better uh, a graduated pass system like something for students, something for seniors. And similar to what I've seen in Hong Kong, I've been traveling all over the world. And in Hong Kong, the, the train is the way to go. And you literally can pay by the stop there. You don't have to pay uh, the same price for 20 stops that you would for one stop. So we could have a graduated payment system integrated into a new automated uh, ticketing system. Combine that with the CTV security cameras and a few security guards and police officers, and I believe the TTC will see ridership increase exponentially. We should have tiered packages for students and seniors to save them hundreds of dollars a year because right now those packages uh, that people are paying are astronomical, and that's why ridership is down so, so much. And it's not because of COVID. People aren't afraid of, ma- of each other anymore. It's because the TTC is just not a good, it's not a good value, and it's really not that safe. But well, we can fix those two things. You're going up against uh, some people who are much more experienced uh, politically, you know, the, the Mitzi Hunters of the world and, and others. You've got uh, a cop, a former I.M. Mark Saunders. Um, do you think that they're going to play the experience card against you? I mean, they're going to say, well, you know, Chris is, is not a Chris is more of a political activist than he is a politician. So, you know, can you really trust him in that position? How would you respond to that? Oh, well, let's see. I was in the private sector for 20 years that also worked in the public sector for the same amount of time. So since I was 18 years old, not only was I working with multi-million dollar deals in banks, I was also working with all the different departments within the government. So that makes me more qualified than any of these people because I worked on both sides of the aisle since I was an adult. Okay. Nobody else has that kind of experience. Nobody else has my kind of energy. Nobody else has my drive. And for all these so-called politicians, like I said, what have they done for the people in the last three years besides voting more lockdowns, uh, voting themselves more pay raises and voted to close businesses and vote to put uh, mandates on masks and jabs. That's all these politicians did. And for these politicians, these MPs and even these ex-police officers, they see mayor as a career opportunity. They see mayor as a promotion. They see mayor as a pay raise. For me, being mayor is a huge sacrifice to me and my family. My wife cries almost every day because <laughs> she'd rather be uh, with our eight dogs at our wolf sanctuary, just looking after them every day, not worrying about how the media is going to slander me and not worried about if I'm going to get shot tomorrow because I'm the only candidate that the establishment truly fears. You'll notice that all these candidates look the same, sound the same, uh, and that's because they are the same. And I'm the only one that's different. I'm the only one that's different. I'm the only one that's going to stand up for you, whether you like me or not. I'm the only one that's going to be the real dog in the fight. And nobody's got the balls I do to stand up to the establishment. Nobody's going to have the scrutiny, hold their feet to the fire like I will. No one's going to root out corruption like I will. And no one's going to make Toronto a better place to live than I will. Chris Sky, are, are you are you running uh, when you go uh, vote? Is it going to be Chris Sky on the ballot or is it going to be Chris Sakocha? It's going to be Chris Sakocha on the ballot. As of right now, I'm the only Chris on the ballot out of the 28 names. Uh, so yeah, it's all of our, all of our um, all of our election stuff is going to have both on it. 
And as a, I, I'd like to remind everybody, we did get everything up and running for our campaign. Because after becoming an official candidate, you get all your paperwork, you can go to the bank and set everything up. And we did just that. We set up the bank account and we set up our website. And it's Chris Sky forchange.com that's f-o-r change chris sky for change.com and on there you're going to see uh about our fundraiser on april 16th where you can purchase two different types of tickets that come with rebates or you can see our donation button where you can donate via debit or credit card and it's all for the official campaign it all goes into the official campaign bank account and any donation is eligible for a campaign rebate. You can message me for details. It's all right there. Chris Guy. And by the way, if there are any other, other candidates uh, thinking about coming on the show, you're more than welcome. Uh, equal time is accorded all candidates. Thank you for coming on the show, Chris, and good luck in your campaign. I appreciate it. I appreciate the unbiased journalism, and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you as always, Mark. Let's take a break. Back with more on Newstalk Saga 960 and the Mark Petrona Show after this. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. Listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we're back with more News Talk Saga 960. So very glad you could join us on this edition of the Mark Petroni Show. Always a pleasure having Ross McLean on the show. He's a security expert and just an all around great guy. We appreciate having Ross on the show to talk about a myriad of subjects, whether it's crime on the streets of, of Toronto. We're heading into a mayoralty race. I know he's got some thoughts about that. And what happened in Vancouver with the assault on Chris Elston, a.k.a. Billboard Chris, while a police officer stood by and did nothing. And then, of course, you have the Vancouver deputy police chief coming out, Deputy Chief Chow, and saying, hey, wait a minute, what's all this online abuse of our officer? That's uh, that's not good. Anyway, Ross, welcome to the show. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Good to be with you, Mark. Good to be with you. These are challenging times for you, for me, and for every one of your many listeners, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Including people who are feeling the crunch in terms of, not economically, not only that, although that's certainly a case, but also crime. And I think the two are linked. And I, and I think you know that, being an expert in the field, that uh, you know when the economy starts to go south, 
figuratively speaking, Ross, criminals come out and out of desperation in some cases, we're seeing robberies at uh, uh, the uh, your, your, your local gas station now more and more. Those are trying to, starting to spike as people are feeling the pinch as a result of this carbon tax. But uh, here's Pierre Polyev, leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, tweeting this out. Uh, Wealthy liberals in gated communities are sheltered from the crime that Trudeau's catch and release policies have unleashed. No wonder they don't care. I will bring home safe streets with jail, not bail for repeated violent offenders and treatment for addiction, not tax funded narcotics or suicide now, which is what uh, like, a uh, you know, the uh, the maid program uh, that, the, that the liberals are pushing now offering to, to kill people who having uh, depression issues and whatever, emotional issues, long-term economic issues even. Uh, okay, talk about this. He's, he's right, of course. I mean, this is something that we've said on the Mark Petrona Show repeatedly. Uh, so it's nice to hear a politician talk about this. The fact that politicians, of course, in most cases, when you're talking about a Christia Freeland or others, these people are bubble wrapped against the very uh, impacts, negative impacts of their policies as far as crime goes. Uh, Ross, what do you think? It is good. Is It is good at least to hear them talking about it. I yeah. think it's on the radar. Quite often it hasn't been on the radar. So what do you think of what, uh, what Pierre Polyev said, tweeted? Well, it is good to see it coming at least to the forefront that people are discussing it because uh, it is a serious issue that's hitting people every day, Mark. And, you know, I'd have to say that you, I look at many of these cities and we suffer from having basically liberal cities, if you will, with liberal policies running so many of our large cities today. And you look at the policies that are in place and what that causes. As you write, it does cause poverty. People are losing their homes. People are becoming homeless. People, when they get in those situations, of course, turn to drugs. They turn to alcohol, hard drugs. City of Toronto now is looking to legalize possession of all the hard drugs, fentanyl included, for doing these things. So now you get down to street crime where you can quite literally get your head knocked off just walking down any street um, in Toronto. You can get stabbed on the TTC and murdered, have a gun pulled on you, have a knife pulled on you. You know, I was talking to a good friend of mine just actually earlier today. He said he was out at a local mall small mall to go in to get something and a street guy comes up to him rather big street guy looks like he's had a bit of a rough time asking for money and coming up right close to him and followed him into a store he says i noticed when i looked at the guy he was fairly big he was angry he was staring at me when i was in the store i looked at his shoes and i saw he had no shoelaces in his shoes he says did he just get out of jail they take away your shoelaces when you're in jail or when the police are holding it and the guy's staring at him and, and wouldn't leave. So he had to call security to have the guy dealt with and removed. So when the security came, he could leave. This is just a guy going out to get something at a store who now has to deal with the fact, am I going to have to deal with a guy who could just pull a knife on me or doesn't care because he's got nothing to lose. And so these are the sort of crimes that really hit home for people. And to your point about the bubble wrap, you know, if we are to see the son of somebody who is in government be dealt one of these horribly wrong deals, like we're seeing dealt to some citizens, maimed or injured or shot or stabbed or killed, 
uh, then it really brings it home for these people. But for them, it very much is an exercise in theory as opposed to an exercise in living like we all have. To your point, here's a, uh, a column in the National Post. Adam Zevo wrote it. Blame champagne socialists for Canada's tsunami of violent crime. The bleeding heart approach to criminality has failed to keep Canadians safe. A system overhaul is urgently needed. And of course, we're talking about the fact that we've got a revolving door. And we've we've seen this for some time since the current regime took over. We're, ta- we're seeing more and more violent criminals released onto the streets. And what's going on? Well, it's pretty predictable. These people are going on to commit other crimes. <laughs> and so, uh, and sadly, I mean, many people are being numbed to it all. I mean, we spoke about this incident in Vancouver outside the Starbucks where Paul Stanley Schmidt, 37-year-old father, was stabbed to death right outside that coffee shop in downtown Vancouver on March the 26th. And uh, a guy videotaped the whole thing with his uh, iPhone, with his camera phone. And it shocked It was shocking. And then later on when he spoke about it, he was somewhat apologetic about the fact that there were so many people upset by the fact that he just photographed the whole thing. But at the end of the day, are people becoming numb to it? Are you find that uh, this level of crime has almost reached a point, Ross, where people just, they aren't even reacting. They're just, uh, just just keeping their head down and thinking, this if this has nothing to do with me, I'm getting out of the way. Well, you know, it's interesting. You just reminded me of another conversation I had yesterday with a guy, a friend of mine. He says to me, Ross, oh, he said, I can't believe it. He said, I went home last night. And uh, a guy was shot and murdered right out in front of my house where I, where I live. Uh, I had never seen anything. Like the cops were all there. They're doing all this and, and the whole thing. And you know what? I think, unfortunately, if you were to ask 10 different people that you know, have you or anybody in your family come close to being involved in some sort of violent crime in the last little while? Or do you know somebody? I think you get a lot of yeses from people, you know, that they've heard or seen of or they have someone who might have had something happen to them. So it's a real problem. It's a real problem. And look, to clean it up is going to be a big, a big job. We have problems with our courts. Our courts are, of course, the ones that are letting them out. But why are they letting them out, Mark, on yep. bail? Yeah. Well, because if they put them in, the court date before it comes up is so long that the judges don't want to put them in jail because they'll have to wait six months or a year before their court case comes up. And that's just not fair to people who are presumed innocent. But the court, the jails are all full because the courts are all slow. So you've got to get the courts sped up for the trials in order to empty the jails out so you can put more people in them. I mean, it's not so much a revolving door justice system at that point, but the door is kind of shut for putting them in jail, it seems. And this is why it seems so many judges just don't want to put people away. They're letting them out and they're recidivist people who are just seeing the rewards. They're not silly. They see a reward in doing the crime and they continue to do the crime and it escalates. Yeah, I mean, surely the protection of the public has to be a priority here. Don't, <laughs> assume, don't assume that, Mark. What's that? <laughs> I don't, don't assume that. Don't well, assume. But shouldn't that be the number one criterion under which these judges make their decisions? We've got to protect the public from people who are violent. I mean, you, you send one of these people out on the street and uh, they could and we've seen it many times. They go on to shoot people or murder, stab people. And so they cause a crime as a result of being released on bail. 
you know, and I haven't looked at the stats for it to be somebody should probably run it in one of the police departments that are listening as to the people who they have arrested for murder or attempted murder over the last two years. How many of them have fairly long rap sheets in front of that charge? I will bet you it's just about every one of them uh, that have got a fairly long rap sheet. And, you know, the other issue is their kids are getting kids. It's getting younger and younger. So the kids are being accused of murder now. 14, 15 year olds are being charged with murder. Uh, they're having guns and they're having knives. And it's in the schools. Like I said, we've got a real problem here. But all of these politicians are all happy just to watch it happen, though. That's the problem there. And the only way I can say that is by their behavior. They've, they've done nothing to prevent this. And this has just been a, uh, a coming problem since about 2013 up. It's a predictable trend. With, if anything, they're doing putting in policies to increase violent crimes. Trudeau put through a bill to reduce sentences for violent crimes, human trafficking, drug dealing, and, and things like that. Yeah. And the judges have all been fighting minimum sentences. They think that they're the ones who make the sentences, not the legislatures. So if the Crown wants, if the legislature says it should be a minimum five years for doing this, the judges go, oh, you can't say that. That's mine to judge. I have to be the one to judge. And maybe I don't think five years is appropriate. And they'd throw out the, they'd throw out the charges saying that's, that's not a fair sentence up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court dumps it out. You know, so you'd almost swear they have policies that are working to encourage violent crime at this point. Exactly. I have no doubt that that is true. I mean, if you look at the agenda of these, everything that they do is designed to wreck the country, whether it's economic, whether it's in the justice system, whether it's destroying our free speech online, regulating it, undermining our resource sector, killing all those jobs, sending manufacturers packing by these onerous so-called green policies, demoralizing the public through accusations of racism and genocide, all this crap. It's like everything that these people do is designed to demoralize, hurt people, right down to the carbon taxes, which they dish out and increasing now on April the 1st up. And so, these people are in the misery business. Everything they're doing is inflicting misery on people right down to the chaos on the streets. So I don't think there's anything controversial about what you said. And then of course, when you add to that, the ongoing rigging of our elections and the possible collusion with foreign power. So you're having the cancer really eat up right at the core of all the things that keep this country great. And I am absolutely 100% convinced that this government has an agenda which they're certainly not sharing with us and that agenda involves collapse economic collapse societal collapse and out of the rubble uh, well then they can build back better right you can't build back better unless you blow it up first and that's what these people are doing paid off by others uh, serving other people's interests and wrecking this country under some grotesquely misguided view that somehow we have to destroy in order to create. But uh, let's talk about this situation in Vancouver where you had this by so-called trans activists. So he was roughed up. The worst part of it all, yeah. So they, they were screaming at him, but the problem was, 
And I, I, th- I want to go to a break. Can you hang in for another segment? I will. Okay, we want to come back because I got to ask Ross about that incident and the fact that the cop knew knew what was going on and didn't give a damn about the fact that uh, Chris was being attacked and in fact even accused him of hurting himself in order to make it look as though he had been assaulted. Quick break, back with more on Newstalk Saga 960 and the Mark Petrona show after this. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. You were listening to the Mark Petroni radio program, heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. We're back with more on News Talk Saga 960. So very glad you could join us on this edition of the Mark Petrona Show. Ross McLean, security expert, coming to us from the GTA. And I guess I got to ask you at some point about this mayoralty race. I mean, when you look at the issues of the city, whether it's economic, whether it's crime in the streets, is there something that you think you would do if you were mayor that would alleviate the situation? I mean, you're you're a security expert. You understand this subject as well as anybody. Is there one thing at the top of the list that uh, jumps out at you in terms of things you would do if you were mayor and you wanted to protect the citizens? Well, the problem the problem with today, uh, Mark, is that the city is a complex organization. There's lots of complexity with it. And so you won't find a silver bullet that solves uh, any major problem terribly easy. What you do have to have, though, is a philosophy of how to deal with the myriad of problems in a way that actually works for people. And, uh, you know, it, it's a real mess. You need someone. Look, I will, I will say this. You need someone from outside to come in to fix the problems. You don't need a, a long-term, like I'm hearing Olivia Chow might come into the race or, or Mitzi Hunter might come into the race or yeah. some of these that they're the ones who've caused all these problems. And, you know, the issue is when you're an insider, it's harder to see what you're doing wrong than when someone comes from the outside. It's pretty apparent. You know, you might say an outsider would say, we're not spending, what is it, $20 million to rename Dundas Street. That's a waste of everybody's money. An outsider could say that simply with a stroke of the pen, make the change and move on. The, the insiders would all say, oh, but you don't understand. There's a, a racist this and I have a, a thing over here. And I've got, and for them, it's all complicated because they're trying to support their own power base. But if they're working for the people, it's, it's, it's a lot clearer. You know, it's a lot clearer what to do. So, you know, my, you need to get people in, Mark, who can tell the difference between right and wrong. I believe a lot of these counselors... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Honestly, don't know the difference between right and wrong. And so they're making wrong decisions all the time. And I think it's very easy to look at something and to do it right. It just, there'll be a lot of political pressure for doing it right. But that's what you're there for is to do it right. Speaking of doing things wrong, here's an interview with a police officer who was at the scene uh, in Vancouver, the Vancouver Park, uh, which uh, Chris uh, Elston was attacked, assaulted. And this citizen journalist, Dan Dix approached the officer and asked why uh, did you she handled it the way she did, which is, frankly, his not to do much of anything. Let's listen. You think he came here to incite violence because they got offended by his sign? When you what talk is to wrong someone with you? and scream at someone and he put didn't your scream face at all. Yes, he, he did. Didn't, they put their face in his face. What yes. is wrong with okay. you? Okay. Well, sorry, you're saying the guy who How on earth did you become a police himself, officer? She's literally what? sitting here saying that Billboard Chris is inciting violence by standing there with his sign. Is that really your position? Okay, sir. We're done with this conversation. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. This is absolutely sort of unbecoming of the Vancouver Police Department. Disgusting. Yeah. I didn't think she'd have much to say after that. Wow. And so uh, she walked away. But I mean, everybody saw the video. I mean, look at this. I mean, there's Chris standing there uh, and being attacked. And there is this fake woman putting his hands on, on Chris's throat. Uh, this guy assaulted Chris Elston. And this police had the temerity to say that Chris brought it on himself. <laughs> what do you make of that? You know, it's uh, this has been all over um, on social media. Yeah, I've made some comments on it on my Twitter account, uh, which people can follow me at, by the way, at Ross McLean SEC. That's sort of short for security. So Ross McLean, M-C-L-E-A-N, SEC. And, uh, you know, I saw what the deputy chief in Vancouver said about it. And once again, to me, this was isn't difficult to figure out, Mark. This is, do you know right from wrong? It's pretty easy to work out. I mean, you, here in the city of Toronto, there is probably a protest every day, and the police are doing them every day. What's the one thing that they do at all the protests when you've got counter-protesters? They separate them. They put one on one side of the street, one on the other side of the street. They don't allow them to surround each other, get near each other, or get in each other's face. So. Very simply, what those officers should have done right away is gotten those people away from Chris. And, you know, Chris, he's if he has a reputation for anything, it's being the most placid, conservative, easy-speaking guy you'd ever want to talk to about an issue. He's not a violent guy. He's got no history of that. He has the opposite history. And uh, so what that officer should have done, and, they, and to my mind, if I was their deputy chief, I charged them with neglect. I'd say, I'm sorry, my officers should have been there. They should have stepped in and de-escalated when they saw them going up and attempting to assault him and in fact, assaulting him. 
They should have de-escalated. They should have, uh, uh, minimum, have identified the person who did the assaulting so they could be charged, if not arresting them at the time. And uh, we're sorry about that. We'll work to get it better. Peaceful protest is always welcome. You know, it's not that hard to do. But instead, the deputy kind of wants to look at it from all kinds of angles and say it's hard to figure out what to do. It's not. You separate people like that. And when someone's up yelling in your face, that's an assault. That's an assault. If I believe that you're coming so close to me that you can and you likely will assault me, you don't actually have to hit me for it to be an assault. I just have to believe that you're about to do it. That's assault. And they actually did lay their hands on him. So I, I don't see what the difficulty is for this chief uh, in doing the right thing. But that's the question. No one there seemed to want to do the right thing. Right. They want to do the politically correct thing or what they thought was politically correct. And, and that officer has been skewered online by thousands of people who are outraged by what they saw in that video. And they've gone after her. And so, but let's let's get this out of the way first. This is important information that you just provided. If I'm going about my business and somebody is screaming obscenities and approaches me and starts screaming right in my face, and I think that this person is going to hit me, am I legally uh, in the right to push this person away? Well, it's not so much you're legally in the right to push them away. You get into whether it's self-defense or not or what you do. But the person doing that to you is committing an assault, right? And okay. you are allowed to defend yourself once you're being assaulted. You get into reasonable force and all of those things. However, that's why the police, when they go to protests like this, and they're usually quite well trained in this, you separate the combatant parties. You don't let them get right up in each other's face yelling and going like that. Because all that's going to do is increase the problems until violence does break out. So it was very poor policing. And I don't know why the deputy has such a hard time saying that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why he has a hard time saying that or dealing with that. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, this is the story here. The Vancouver Police Department deputy chief appalled by online criticism following trans rights rally. The Vancouver Police Department has alleged at least two people were assaulted but did not provide further details. I'm going to suggest to you, Ross, that the only reason they're investigating is because of all the online attention that this received. They would much rather have just gone their way, just like her, just like that police officer. She didn't care. She just wanted to go back to her doing her little walk and not pay much attention to it all. But the fact that it caused as much of a stir as it did, I think, is the only reason why Vancouver police is looking into this. What do you think? Well, you know what? You, you reminded me of another. You keep on reminding me of things. <laughs> Maybe I just keep on forgetting things. But, you know, up in Ottawa, we just had that same thing happen at a school board trustees meeting, I believe, where there were parents who were upset about all of this uh, sort of thing going on. The transgendered uh, protest crowd was out there to keep the parents away. You know, I actually heard them described this way at one point now. Um, Trantifa is the name that they're coming up for these groups when they're getting violent as they're, as they're out doing their protesting. And they, I believe they threw one person to the ground, they threw hot coffee on somebody else, and the police didn't step in or deal with any of that either. So we have that issue going on here, and that's in Ottawa. Ottawa, by the way, a place where they somehow believe that, I don't know, trucks are violence, uh, words are violence, 
I mean, they believe all kinds of things are horrible, uh, but yet all those things were just done to billboard Chris, you know, with people yelling at him and using terrible words. That would be violence, according to the Ottawa police, when they were dealing with the convoy. So we really need to see some, and I've been asking, sort of talking about this quietly and making the points on it, but we need to see some real leadership from our police chiefs. They cannot just turn the police departments into the enforcement arm of the political narrative of the day. That's not their job. Their job isn't to be stormtroopers for the police narrative of the day. Their job is to enforce the law and see that people are safe from it and, and deal with it correctly. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little uh, reluctant. I mean, I like so many of the different chiefs that are out here, and I know there are so many good men and women uh, but the leadership, I think, is lacking when they allow that sort of thing to happen, like what happened in Vancouver and what happened in Ottawa. You have to show that when we show up, it's going to be peaceful. We're not going to allow people to be violently going violent at each other. Everybody gets their say. Everybody has their chance. You can't be picking a side or a narrative. You just I, I think it's the road to ruin for the reputation of police and it makes policing very hard. Yeah, I'm going to suggest that some of these police officers, Ross, are politicized now. That these people are all are woke. They're getting in there. They have a radical view of the world already. And so that would explain this police officer's behavior. Uh, it would explain why she did nothing while, while Chris was attacked, because she agrees with the people attacking Chris. I mean, can we not draw that conclusion by the fact that she stood there and did nothing except laugh while uh, while Chris was getting hammered by these so-called protesters? I mean, she agrees with those people. She probably wanted Chris to get his butt kicked. What do you think of that? Well, I, I'm also been around a long time and covered a lot on police conduct when they get it right and when they get it wrong. And I'm quite willing to say when they get it right and when they get it wrong. I think in this case, this officer got it wrong. I don't know her or her compatriots' intentions or why they did what they did. I think that it should be dealt with by the chief. I think that they should be charged with neglect of duty, and they should have to explain themselves and have the chance to explain themselves and say what their thinking was. Uh, but I don't see where there's a case for that. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not ready to pronounce guilt and take... The, any of the officers that hang them, but I, I'm willing to say what I think what they did was wrong. They didn't de-escalate. They didn't get in the middle. They seemed to misstate the law when they were talking to the person. And uh, look, they had a smirk on their face when they were doing it. Yeah. I gotta say, there's a couple of cops in Toronto that are getting railroaded right now for something similar, just for, for making a smirk or a joke. Oh, really? Certain things. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew this was coming a long time ago when they put the, uh, the body cams on, on the police. Uh, where they're on all the time, they're listening to everything you're saying. And, you know, you're out there, and every once in a while, someone says something or cracks a joke or says whatever for doing something, right? Gets caught by the mic, and if someone, they get in a complaint over that, they listen to the word, oh, look, the officer made a joke. Now, nobody heard the joke. Maybe they're just them and their partner or something like that. Uh, and then they're being lambasted for it. And they're trying to take the careers of some of the officers. So I've seen it go very, very hard. Uh, on the politically correct side against some of these cops. I'd like to see cops be treated fairly as well as uh, yeah. old Chris. Oh, I think this uh, police officer in Vancouver should get a fair hearing and she can justify 
what she did or what she didn't do under the circumstances. But it doesn't seem like she's going to get in much trouble. Uh, I like the fact that people have heaped abuse on the Vancouver Police Department, and I like it, like the fact that they are attacking her because they are saying, we don't like what's going on and we want this situation rectified. It was wrong. And so what happens is when you turn the heat up on the establishment, they pay attention. If you don't turn up the heat, they don't care. You know? Well, look, the, the, the left has uh, known this, the left has known this for ages. They do it, you know, yeah. and nobody, nobody blinks an eye because everybody expected, but when conservatives do it, well, all of a sudden you've got the deputy chief saying, well, this is wrong. How could these people say all these things about this officer? Well, but this is why, this is why Mark, why this deputy chief needs to deal with this and should have dealt with it up front because look, that officer uh, does not, it, it does her no service to be doxxed, to have her name out there and everything. And people thinking, well, if the chief's not going to do his job, we'll all do her a job by going after her. Because there, there have been issues with that where cops have been doxxed. Down in Los Angeles right now, the chief of the LAPD released the names and I think the photographs of every officer, even undercover officers on the department, quotes by mistake, he said, because they were complying with the Transparency uh, in Government Act and something in California. There was a lawsuit about it. So he turned over the pictures, even of the undercover officers that are out there. Hmm. And these officers will face death threats. And they have families. And I have been around officers before who, when they've been in bad situations, they have getting doxxed by the other side for whatever reasons. They've had threats against their families and their kids. So... That's why the chief needs to do his job so the public doesn't think they have to do it. Like if the chief came out right away and dealt with that, we wouldn't have seen it go, go on and on and on like it has been. So that's where the chief has to do his job as well, Mark. And we'll be back with more on News Talk Saga 960 and the Mark Petrana Show after this. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga960. Ross McLean joining us in Saga960. We're talking about the online avalanche of criticism leveled at the Vancouver Police Department, but in particular, this one officer whose name they didn't release. But I suspect that now um, she's famous in a way that she doesn't want to be. And I would also suggest to you that she now is going to be an example to others on the force. They're going to know that if this sort of thing continues, that the public is going to become aware of it and they are going to blast officers who are involved in this type of um, negligent behavior as far as enforcing the law. Uh, Do you think that this is a good trend? I mean, obviously the deputy chief of police in Vancouver thinks it's an alarming trend. I would suggest to you that this is democracy in action. This person's supposed to be working for the public, Ross. And if she's not working for the public, well, the public has a right to say something about it. What do you think? Well, let me say once again, that's the chief's job to do that discipline. If he's not doing it, these are the problems you're going to have. Look, let me tell you a story that happened. I was looking after a rather large uh, worldwide company for security here in the GTA area. And there was an officer 
who was involved in, he stopped a very, very attractive girl who worked for us, stopped her for speeding, let her off the speeding ticket, but made note of her name and phone number. And uh, she got home and there was a phone on her uh, message from him asking her out. And then the next couple of days, he was sitting down the street from her with the car on the way that she would go home. And it terrified this girl, you know. Uh, so she came to me and she, and she talked about it. So I said, okay, we'll get this looked at. Now, I called in the internal affairs. A couple of internal affairs guys came in. I explained the situation to them. Uh, then I asked the girl to leave the room so I could talk to them. And I said, okay, so what's the deal here? This will go to their, his unit inspector. He'll speak to him and we'll have this looked after. And they both looked at each other and looked at me dumbfounded. And they said, no, that's not what's happening with this. This is going to the chief's desk. The chief at that time was Chief Julian Vantino. Fantino. Right. He ruled with an iron fist with a very thin velvet glove over the staff. And they told me that the chief will not tolerate any actions like this. He doesn't want them dealt with at the local commander level because he wants to see this done, not any favors done for anybody. And what ended up happening to that officer, he got charged with discreditable conduct and, he's, and he lost 28 days pay and it went on his record. I never expected that to happen. But Chief Fantino ruled with an iron fist and he, was, and he made sure that his officers, they all knew what the rules were. And that's what this deputy needs to be doing out in Vancouver. He needs to step up. And it's unacceptable that we see these things going on between people and dealing with it and being seen to deal with it. Otherwise, the public wants to deal with it. And we get into all these other issues. And it, it just it's not good if you don't have good leadership. I've got to ask you about this situation um, that has just come up now, police searching for a boat operator who may have fled after eight migrants, Ross, died in Aquasasne. Uh, these people appeared to have been trying to cross the border illegally. Police would not say whether they suspect that Casey Oaks may have drowned along with the others or fled the scene of the tragedy and is in hiding, but a recent release suggests the latter. So, um, this is a horrible situation. This is the type of thing that we see, for instance, um, in, in the United States, uh, the Rio Grande, uh, as migrants uh, try to cross, uh, end up drowning in the water, if, depending on the conditions, the, the weather conditions. And now we're seeing a number of people, the remains of eight people, Ross, uh, a boat capsized. And this is extremely troubling. A, a very troubling situation at the border. Three of the four citizens of, of India were identified. I'm, I'm not even going to attempt to try to pronounce these names. I would butcher them badly with a fourth Indian not identified. Uh, that story, according to uh, state broadcaster, CBC, um, not good, not a good situation. No. And look at, uh, wow, that's, that's terrible news. Eight yeah. people their life, they're saying, eh? Yeah. So this is no different now. You know, this is the border games that we've been playing and the federal government's been playing. It says the police are looking for the boat. Yeah, that's because they do the recovery stuff. But it's supposed to be the Border Patrol people who are supposed to look after that. I mean, Trudeau's got a minister or two who are supposed to be in charge of the borders and policing the borders. Canada Border Services for doing it. 
And, you know, if this, is this a result of the word getting out that, they, oh, they're going to close Roxham Road a little well, bit? That, that's what some people are saying. This, they're, they're talking about this being part of the black market border crossing from, from Canada into the United States. So this is people escaping Canada, Ross. Which, oh, which way were they going? Coming they're, into Canada? Or apparently Canada? they were going to the U.S. or trying to. Uh, this okay. is part of the black market cross-border cross uh, situation involving migrants and uh, possibly like a coyote type of situation. This is the, the National Post story. The search continues for a man last seen operating a boat linked to a suspected black market border crossing from Canada, from Canada to the Canadian side of the border that left eight migrants dead in the St. Lawrence River. Horrible. I mean, these these uh, human trafficking smugglers like this, they mm -hmm. make a like there's actually been reports I've seen incredible reports that they're making more money off of human smuggling right now than they are dealing with uh, drugs across the border because they're not really being charged with the human trafficking. They're charging twenty five thousand U.S. to bring people, get them across and, and all these sort of stuff. Now we're seeing it flow, as you say, the other way. You know, we've always had issues going across uh, Lake Ontario. I had a good friend of mine. He owned a home on the farce in uh, on upstate New York, and he would see the odd time they'd see the boats land with people would come off and jump off and run into the U.S. He would see them, and funny enough, his neighbor was a very high up guy in Homeland Security, which was kind of interesting uh, for talking about it. But this is a real tragedy. Yeah. These are people. These are these are economic migrant yeah. people who are losing their lives. And why? Because we're not managing how we deal with our immigration well. And this is what you just said. You said it was a, these are economic migrants leaving Canada. I mean, we're used to seeing economic migrants come into Canada from other countries. They're looking for a better life. You're suggesting that these people have seen the lay of the land. They've seen the attacks on our civil liberties in Canada by this scumbag prime minister. Now they've got, Bill C-11 in place uh, to the point now where a social media post uh, that hurts somebody's feelings, Ross, well, that's going to uh, land you in hot water. And that's the, yeah. so they're looking at this and going, these Canada's headed towards Venezuela. You know, this, they're going down the same road as far as their economics is, is concerned. And as far as the attack on civil liberties is concerned, I'm getting out of here. The United States looks pretty good. And so... Yeah. They're headed south. These are <laughs> well, we have to look. There's a lot more details, I would just say, that need to be looked at. Like, yeah. well, there's a lot of times where what they were doing is sometimes to smuggle people into the U.S. They'd actually fly them up from South America to Canada, then walk them across. Because that was easier than coming through the southern border when it was open. But are these people who have somehow managed to uh, get other human traffickers to get them into Canada, and then from Canada smuggled across into the U.S. Because a lot of people from India, they come, they want to make money and get it home to as, as well as India is doing. It's a massive country. And I got so many friends from India. I just love them uh, and the people from India. But there is one whack of a lot of poverty still uh, in oh, India. Sure. People come to work to send money uh, back home. So I'd like to know more about how this, uh, what's the origin of this? The fact that it happened is bad enough, but what's the cause? Yeah, the prime minister was asked about it, and uh, I think he managed to squeeze out a tear. I don't mean to sound cynical about it, but let's face it, it's hard to... 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. See much genuine remorse in this guy, considering his attacks on the people of this country. I don't think he likes Canada very much, but um, that's the situation. One thing, this, yeah. you, you make me, you, you, you hit a piece on me for this. I think of those people that were, that were shot down and that I, and that over Iran. And that yeah. Country. Think about that. We have not, we have not resolved that to anybody's satisfaction. No. And I could tell you, I don't, I don't have, we don't have the time to do it today, but I looked at those weapon systems, how they work, what they do. The fact that those planes have beacons on them that identify them as uh, commercial jets and the things you have to do with the fail safes on those missile systems, they knew what they were doing when they put two missiles into that jet. And I don't think that Canadians have been defended well on that uh, for those people who lost people on that. I think that is shameful. Yeah. We still have not named the IRGC as a terrorist organization for what they've done. So, yeah, the, the evidence is sorely available of the lack of real compassion by the government that claims to be the most compassionate. It's they, they really... I don't think they know the definition of the word. Uh, oh, listen, I, the, the Iranians shot that civilian airliner knowing full well that Canada would do nothing about it. That's the that's the uh, the grim reality here. They know that Canadians, the Canadian government is weak. They know that uh, they would just squawk a little bit, maybe have a hearing or two, and that would be the end of it. They knew that they could get away with it, Ross. Uh, so that's that's why. They didn't go after a Russian airliner. They, didn't go, they certainly didn't go after a Chinese or American one. No, they figured Canada, yeah, let's blow that one out of the eye, out of the sky. Let's uh, talk about this one. I'll name names. Ex-spy. The Canadian Security Intelligence Service has 30 years worth of records on federal ridings that are hunting grounds for Chinese communist agents. That according to a foreign, a former Chief analyst, the retired spy, told the Commons Ethics Committee, I mentioned this to our mutual friend Joe Warmington. He made a good point. This is the, their way of taking the heat off the Trudeau regime, saying, look, this has been going on for decades. It's not just Justin, you know. What do you think? I agree with Joe on that one. It has, it has been going on for a long time. I've been doing a lot of looking into this. And the Chinese really just want to own Canada. Uh, they don't care if they own a blue Canadian at the top or a red Canadian at the top. They just want to own it and bend it to its will for it want, what it wants to be done. It so happens that the Liberals have been in power for quite a long time. And the Liberals and their friends have been feasting off of the China money. But I dare say in my looking too, there's a few people around the blue team 
that I've got concerns about too with their uh, level because the Chinese don't care. They just want to buy the country. They really don't care what government is here, so long as it does what they want it to do. And, you know, I have seen corruption at high levels in politics before. And uh, like I said, at the very, very top, they don't care if it's red or it's blue, so long as everybody gets some of the green, right, at a certain point. So we really, I'm really concerned about our country. I'm really concerned that this gets tackled. I'm really concerned that we have a investigation to this. But but look look what happened here. We had the the chief of the RCMP, that woman. Yeah, Brenda Lucky. All while all of this is going on with uh, with the Chinese influence and the information coming out about the royal screw up of the murders and the rampage that took place in Nova Scotia. Where was she? She was on an all expense paid trip a trip to Dubai to do some kind of goodbye thing and meet with people and do all that. She's making the money on the way out and having a great time in Dubai while we're talking about our, our country being sold out and our citizens being slaughtered in her old department doing a horrible job that she was in charge of at the time. I mean, what kind of responsibility is this? We don't have people that are being responsible to the bottom line. Like I said, there's a real lot. Like, I think it's pretty easy to know that I should not take that trip to Dubai while my department that I'm in charge of and I'm, on, I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for it while they're taking all this flack. I don't take it if I'm a leader. And it, like I said, if I'm the Vancouver uh, deputy chief, if I'm a leader, I lead. I lead. And you have to know right from wrong so then you can have conviction. If you don't know right from wrong, it's hard to have conviction about what you're doing, Mark. So I'd like to see a little bit more leadership and conviction. And I'm glad to see that Pierre is stepping up a little bit, but I need him to go all the way. I need him to go all the way uh, on, on, on freedom and protecting our rights. Yeah, not well, he made a good speech on that. So he talks a good game. He's obviously not in government, not a position. Well, we'd have to see what he did. when he. But here's what's going on in China here. This is I, presumably the direction that Canada is headed under this slimeball prime minister. The police are checking mobile phones for banned apps and VPNs. Many governments are proposing similar crackdowns with massive fines for disobeying the state. It isn't just about TikTok. It isn't about t TikTok. It's about controlling your access to information, which is exactly what C11, Bill C11 is doing. Look at this. They're going through people's apps just because you had the temerity to get on the subway or in uh, somewhere in China. And uh, if you've got an app on your phone that they don't like, guess what? You're, you're going to find yourself in trouble. I mean, is it fair to assume that this is the kind of thing that uh, Justin Trudeau thinks is just great and wants to bring it to Canada? Bill C-11 is a bill that a yeah. communist leader would bring in. Yeah. The Chinese would be very happy about that yep. because that way the government that they own or they're renting or they're leasing with the money that they're giving over here for influence can control their people better when they tell them, hey, it's okay, China's invading Taiwan and they're ransacking it and taking the That's all right. We think it's really, and, we, and Canada says nothing about it. Same as we said nothing about the Iranian jet. So that's the issue with BC11. And 
look, I look into these policies pretty far. I'll just tell you, because people don't have the time to look into these or the expertise. You do not want to see this Bill C-11. You have got no idea how much damage it is going to do to your ability to live free. Now, not Mark, you and I are talking here right now, and you've got tens of thousands of however many listeners you've got that listen to this show. Yeah. And they, they count on you and me when I'm doing talking to represent issues well, to educate and let people know to say things. But and those people, hey, I don't need to talk about it. Those guys are doing a good job. But what they don't realize is that bill is going to be shutting up uh, people like you, people like me. And then when they realize it and they want to say something, they'll realize that they've already been shut up. Yeah. They've already been shut up and they'll go to put something on there. Hey, I don't think this is right. And they'll find themselves with a $10,000 fine emailed into their inbox for what they said on social media and pay it. No court. You just pay it. People are and, getting angry, uh, though, Ross. I can. I can it is going to be it is going to be a real problem. There's a level of there's an undercurrent now of real anger. I'm seeing it more so than I have in the last year. It's just welling up in people. I've seen it online and I'm hearing it. It's it's a combination of fear, anger, resentment and confusion because they don't know what to do. Did you see Leslie Lewis? Yeah. Oh, she, yeah. she's she's been right on. Because you know what? And she did it with righteous righteous indignation yeah. as a woman who was insulted and called everything from an anti-Semitic to a racist. <laughs> oh, a, a lunatics attacking her. Yeah. It's not going to take that crap. No, and nor I'm should she. Stand up and lead. But you know what, people, all the listeners out there, I don't care if you are on the red team or you are on the blue team. When you see your rights being taken away, if you're on the red team, call up your red team people and say, don't be taking away our rights like this. Exactly. Don't vote yeah. this bill C-11 ah. in. They don't want it. Everybody needs to do that a little bit and stand up like Leslie Lewis did. Yep. And if we're all doing it, I mean. There's a I'm chance. On this one, Mark, but I am Spartacus, right? <laughs> kill Spartacus. I am Ross McLean. You're going to kill him. All right. If Thank you. Stands up, Thank you for coming on the show, hands. Ross. I really appreciate that. Got to wrap things up, my friend. Uh, follow Ross McLean on Twitter, at Ross McLean, right? What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. SEC. Yeah, SCC. SEC. Sorry, SEC. SEC. Ross McLean. That's M-C-L-E-A-N. And let's go to break. Back with more on Talk Saga 960 and the Mark Petrona Show after this. Stream us live at saga960am.ca.
You were listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we're back with more News Talk Saga 960. So very glad you could join us on this Tuesday edition of the show. Well, this is troubling. Dr. Naomi Wolf, who's got a terrific book, by the way, exposing the dangers of the shots. Uh, her pandemic book is called The Bodies of Others. She has particularly uh, been raising and sounding the alarm around the effects uh, to pregnant women of these shots, these mRNA vaccines designed allegedly to help us uh, deal with COVID. But here she is now saying that um, there's a danger that these shots are going to end up in the food supply. Eat your vaccines. mRNA gene therapy is coming to the food supply this month. This was highlighted by the Vigilant Fox, who does a terrific job. You might want to follow that individual on Twitter. Great videos. They've given up on the needle in every arm, but now they're coming for what you eat. Uh, This quote from Dr. Naomi Wolf, I've got a document uh, from the NIH, National Institutes of Health, from 2002, talking about integrating vaccines into food, announcing attorney Tom Renz in an eye-opening interview. This is uh, Naomi Wolf. Let's listen. So now let's move on, if we may, in our last few minutes to our to your latest concern, which is a bill, as I understand it, you're wanting to which you're wanting to call attention, which is about GMO food and DNA. Will you speak to that, please? Yeah, and it's actually I want to I want to just drill right down what this is, and we know this has happened. I've got documents from the NIH from 2002 talking about integrating vaccines into foods. Oh no, this, okay. Yeah, yeah, so what we've got going on is the mRNA gene therapy type drugs, and by the way, when I say that, just for anybody that doesn't know, I have Moderna's documents, they call it a gene therapy. This is settled, right? I mean, unless you wanna argue with Moderna and Pfizer themselves, this is gene therapy. They've been working on integrating these into our food supply. They've been working on it for more than at least two decades, okay? So at least two decades. They're moving forward with this. So I have a a friend that works with me, and uh, she got elected to the House of Representatives in Missouri. And, you know, we talked with her, and she sponsored a bill that would require it doesn't ban anything, okay? We wrote this bill. We worked with them. I helped them with this bill. It was written in a way that was meant to be as easy to pass and as hard to oppose as possible. And all it does is it does three things. It requires labeling and disclosure of any product that has any gene therapy qualities. It requires that if you have a product on the market that that has gene therapy qualities, that you, you, Naomi, I, anyone can, can call the company and say, hey, how does this spread? Does it shed? Mm-hmm. Is it spread through contact? Is it through sexual contact? Through is there a way that this can spread? Mm-hmm. And they have to disclose it. Mm-hmm. And then the third part is is it requires informed consent. Mm-hmm. And informed consent includes serious events of ad, or adverse events of special interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we so we close that loop on there legally. Mm-hmm. And it requires informed consent before you be given anything with the gene therapy or medicinal property, right? So mm-hmm. this is this isn't difficult right i don't think this is a democrat bill or a republican bill it's sponsored by a republican but it should be universally supported absolutely of course 
this has become it's two pages by the way no writers no jokes nothing just very straightforward you can read it. it's house bill 1169 in missouri this has become the most contentious bill in missouri history wow they have all we're asking for is transparency right and and disclosure so you've got a transparency disclosure bill here's what's happened though this is shocking naomi you want to talk about an admission so i go and i testify about this bill which wasn't supposed to happen it's only through the great people in missouri calling and screaming and calling their legislatures and by the way i just put on my twitter feed i listed the lobbyists opposing this along with the contact information of the people on the committee because we're playing hard yeah you call these lobbyists you ask the farm bureau why it is that they don't think that the farmers would want to know if their their crops are being poisoned yeah but uh so we put this out there and here's the here's the response they can't they can't come out big pharma can't come out and say we oppose disclosure and transparency so what they did was they went to the ag community they went to and i'll I'll tell you we've got uh the cattle missouri cattlemen's association uh the missouri corn growers association missouri pork association farm bureau uh soybean growers um they went to these guys and said hey, we need you to oppose this. Now, remember, the two largest holders of ag in this country are, are Bill Gates and the CCP. Yeah, yeah. So these guys throw money at these guys, buy off these guys. They're not representing the local farmers. But the reason that I thought this was important enough to come on a big show like this and talk about it is if I pass this bill mm-hmm. in Missouri, and it's a red state, they should be loving this. Okay. Yeah. If I pass this bill in Missouri, those disclosures mm-hmm. and the ability to get that information apply globally. So right. if we can win in one state, right. the truth in Missouri is the truth in Iowa. Yeah, yeah, I understand. So so we've got to get everybody on the planet calling these guys, telling them, you've got to pass this, you've got to stand for we the people. All it is is transparency and disclosure. We don't even ban it. They can still make their poison foods. I just need to know if I'm eating it unbelievable why are they so do you do you, why do they want to change our dna so much do you have a theory about that well so again i can't prove it but I, you know one of the things that i like to say is this when you've ruled out the plausible you're left with unlikely right and when a serial killer tells you that they're going to kill somebody right, right. they're going to you do should it. listen yeah and we've yeah. got harari you've all know a harari and klaus schwab talking endlessly about controlling the genome, making people hackable, all these crazy sounding things that sound like sci-fi to me, but they're telling us. Right, it's true. All right, well, you know what? Something also occurred to me, again, thinking politically, uh, the the vaccine rollout is now a failure. They're not getting yep. be due to people like you and me and our yep. friends. They're not able to get this material into people's veins with a needle. So now they'll go to plan B and try to get it into our bodies with the food supply. Yeah, thanks to people like you. Thanks to us fighting, we yeah. were able to keep a control group and now people are able to see what's going on. So yeah, it's done and we're right. winning COVID. So they're they're regrouping. They, these guys feel this huge need to control our genome. I don't, you know, we can speculate as to why, but the thing is, is I don't trust them to control anything about me. Well, no, and until they get there, there's also the, the just geopolitical we're at war question of, if they, you know, I believe and I agree with you that the the globalists don't want the United States to exist, let alone be strong. So I'm looking at all these, you know, 
food processing plants going up in fire and flames and oh, smoke. Yeah. trains derailing. I mean, this never happened before no. 2020 um, in the United States, vanishingly rare. And the the and I live in a rural area and there's such drive to kind of, you know, we're fighting a a, you know, my, my husband, Brian O'Shea, who's been in the military uh, intelligence community for many years, has pointed this out, that China wants to wants our resources, but doesn't want our population. And so he also, also pointed out that solar is is run by alternative energy, even though I'm a green supporter, is run by China. So they can. So right now, 450 acres of productive farmland in the Hudson Valley, like the food basket of the Northeast, are are being taken over by solar through fiat from the state level overriding um town uh law 18 laws in my local community are being overridden you know yeah. by fiat to take over this farmland point is this all fits together right like yep. take over the farmland buy up the farmland leave people unable to grow their own food raise their own cattle raise their own Yep. sheep or whatever it is and then you have to eat the franken food um yep. that you know has been bought up and contaminated at the levels that that you're describing by bill gates by china it's horrific yep. um well happily happily i've got a resource for you in our final moments um we have a a, a tool which i created because i saw how citizens were being left out of legislation um and you can go to bill cam and you can find your bill everyone can find the bill by entering missouri and the, the uh, number of the bill what is it again house H bill 1169 house bill 1169 in missouri and there you'll find the actual bill you'll see the bill text and you can share it through social media so you can tweet the bill sponsor you can tweet your representative and you can call that sponsor you can call you know you can follow any opponents of this bill um mr renz will keep us informed about whom we should call whom we should be lobbying and you can send that through social media and we've found that um because it, and you can quote vote on it up or down because this all happens transparently uh we are able to stop bills that are bad and advance bills that are good and the other thing i want to say is we at daily clout um are able to uh, ask you to create a draft bill that is um just a template and we can ask our friends in legislators all legislatures all over the country to uh get behind and sponsor this draft bill that you create so we can talk offline about you doing that if you're willing to and then we can absolutely state by state that's how we help to stop vaccine passports and i'm quite sure that um we can be successful stopping the state by state with your help good lord and you know certainly everyone watching globally needs to know that this is probably happening in your country and your community as yes, well reason for people in france and britain and germany and all over the world to you know reclaim the tools of democracy any any way lawfully that you can so you can uh stop this horrible takeover of the human food supply human bodies um is there any final thing where can people find you and support you and help you in this fight mr renz well please do go to tomrenz.com we've got sponsors we've got a sub stack i need my sub stack you know we need that to grow um and we have a give send go i don't as an attorney um i very rarely bill for my time I do almost everything out of pocket. Uh, my other attorneys I have to bill for, but I give up almost all my time for free. This is a God family country thing for me. And I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican or a, a pickle, whatever you are, if you're pro freedom, you're my guy. 
and I'll attack the Republicans, I'll attack the Democrats. I don't have a game in this, a horse in this game outside of freedom. So your support is what keeps us going. And the more we've got, the more we'll fight. I just want to second that. It's really important The only, you know, these few heroes who are bringing these issues to light, they suffer. We all suffer economically, you know, professionally. So this um, donations pipeline uh, that Mr. Ren spoke about is incredibly important. So if you care about what we've just shared with you, do go help him. You know, every little bit helps, no doubt. And I'm just seconding that emotion. Where do people find you on, on uh, social media? What's your website? Uh, well, we've got Ren's Tom on Twitter and uh please follow there we put a lot of stuff there i also use true social um and we do tom Renz there but we're on just about every social media platform you can find uh, we do a lot of rumble videos and if you support us there that's great um you know we're 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 growing as fast as we can but like i said i started out about as as lowly as you can get on this and uh it's been a real process and it's always a balance between fighting and growing Right. Uh, because we have to bring more people in to win the fight, right. but we have to fight to stop the madness while we're doing it. Absolutely. We'll do all we can to support you. And everyone, go to Bill Kim and look up this Missouri bill, HB11, say it again, HB1169. 1169. Thank you so much for spending time with us this morning, Mr. Rands, and we'll do all we can to help. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So <clears throat> you heard the interview and. Uh, I think you'll agree it's an eye-opener they start putting this stuff in the food but it makes sense right when you're talking about these psychopaths when you're talking about these psychopaths who now uh, have been rebuffed <clears throat> excuse me in their uh, efforts to get these shots in everybody's arms now i guess resorting to uh looking at the food supply yeah yeah that's that's one way to get uh, these shots into these people. They're absolute psychotics. They really are. And that is it for this edition of the Mark Petrona Show. Appreciate you tuning in, my friends. Let's do it again real soon, shall we? In the meantime, stay safe, be strong. Bye-bye for now. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.